precaution, menopause at work. Mm, That's the name of the company that my guest founded. And men, this episode is for you too. Let's delve into the good, the bad and the ugly. Yes, the good around this topic that we don't want to be taboo, do we? This is Unsquashed. I'm your host, Tricia Lewis. Engage your detective mindset and let's get ready to solve the mystery of the squashed self. Right, I've got quite a lot to cover in this conversation with my fabulous guest, Sarah Wilshire, and so I'm not going to do too much in the way of small talk, Sarah. We're going to get right into the meat. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here. Huge pleasure. And this topic, I think we should put an immediate um, thing out at the beginning. In fact, I'll put it more than once. I'll I'll introduce yeah. it when I edit this. You will already have heard, listeners, this is for all of you, not just for the female listeners. Um, would you agree, Sarah? A hundred percent. You know, the menopause affects everybody and it really does. It's it's quite concerning for people around us when we aren't feeling ourselves and they're losing parts of us as well so I always say it's 100% of the population who go through menopause it isn't just the 51% who are experiencing it personally beautifully put yes absolutely (laughs) Um, and I'm sure there'll be some smiles and nods going on even as we speak Um, so the first question I just want to ask to get a little bit more of a a story of you, Sarah, is have you got any kind of story, whether it's in your personal life, work life, whatever, that really illustrates um, how easy it is for us to what I call self-squash and not show up fully? Oh, yeah, sadly, I, I do. And I think that's what's led me into doing what I do now, because I... Um, it's it's a really common theme. We we reach a certain age as women where our careers start to really just blossom and we feel as if we're really content in what we're doing and we're, we're offered opportunities to grow and to take the promotions. And, and we you know, we've earned our stripes in a way. And the set that happened to me, I'd got to a stage where my kids were both at school. Promotion came along. I'd turned it down a few times because I just wasn't ready. And then I was, and it was absolutely fantastic. And I really, I really enjoyed feeling quite important you know you're not gonna it was it was a nice um I had a great team had lovely team of people around me and I felt as if I just earned my place in that company and it was great for about five years I was absolutely fine obviously I've always had the imposter syndrome and I've always had that little voice going are you sure are you really sure you're the person for this job but there was parts of it that I did think you know I do realize I do think I am the right person for this job and then one day I suppose it was it wasn't it was one day that I remember specifically, but I suppose a little bit of this anxiety had been creeping in of a bit of self-doubt. But one day one of my colleagues was just about to go into the big monthly meeting and um he asked me a question and I just blanked completely. And it, it, he asked me as if to say, but I've asked you this a few times before, and I just couldn't recall it. I literally couldn't recall that the conversation I'd had with him. And he just flippantly was like, Oh, for God's sake, Bush. I've asked you this, I asked you this yesterday, you said you'd get it for me today, and I just couldn't remember it at all. I couldn't remember the conversation, and I ended up just falling apart. 
I ran off to the toilet. I I just floods, literally floods of tears, overwhelmed completely. And every time I tried to pull myself together, it just came across again, this panic, absolute panic. I couldn't get myself, I was hyperventilating, couldn't get myself out of the toilet. Spent the entire hour in the toilet, people banging on the door, is everything okay? This poor guy, you know, he was one of my best mates. He had no idea that trigger, that what he'd said that would trigger me to be so bad. And it was really horrible because I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of this anxiety at all. I couldn't make myself go into that room. And the worst thing was, is that every month then after that, that anxiety would come back. What if it happens again? You know, what if that, what if that's now me? What if I can't ever have that? What if I can't stand up in front of my peers and have that conversation again? And so each month it got more and more um, sort of earlier on, this anxiety was creeping in earlier and earlier. So it, would like, it wasn't just the day before, it was becoming the week before. And I realised it got to a certain stage one day when I was driving in to the workplace and there's a really sharp bend on the road in and this car came hurtling down this hill and nearly wiped me out completely on this corner. And the first thing I thought of wasn't, oh my God, I nearly totaled the car. It was like, oh my God, if only I'd have crashed the car, I wouldn't have had to go into the meeting today. And I just thought, my God, what an awful, awful feeling to actually wish I'd hurt, I'd, I'd hurt myself in enough. I, th- I didn't, I don't ever think I ever thought, my God, that would have been such a relief if I'd have gone. But it was serious enough to go, wouldn't it be great if something actually happened that I didn't have to, have to, you know, sort of face my fear. Oh my gosh. And I realised that that was oh, just, Sarah, yeah. Sarah. So this is, this is storytelling um, on steroids. This is, uh, this is so good. Yeah, well, gently. I, <laughs> and I, I realise there's, there's more to this. What, what I want to know at this point, which is probably what you're about to go on to is, was this to do with perimenopause or menopause or was this yeah not yeah well, I, I, it's, it's only looking back because obviously the menopause is the biggest kept secret in an office full of gossip basically that that's how it feels is that everybody talks about everything except the menopause and as a woman who was already trying to you know make my stand in a workplace full of lots of male seniors I really didn't want to be, you know, I didn't I didn't want to be talking about things that were making me anxious and making me less of who I was. But it was the first um, symptom that looking back was the one that was predominantly perimenopausal. After that, then physical symptoms came in. You know, it was the, the excessive bleeding, which was just horrendous at times. And that with that in itself brought on fresh anxiety that um I just wasn't prepared for at all. And so that would then, all it was like all consuming that these physical symptoms are happening. I'd only ever had really like periods that, you know, throughout my life. And then suddenly it was like this insane amount that meant I couldn't confidently work without feeling what's happening. You know, if it, long meetings were an absolute nightmare for me, because if I was in a meeting for longer than an hour without a break, I mean, my mind was going crazy. And that, what happens is you stop being your capable self because what you're thinking of is what can other people see? What can other people sense? Do they know what's going on? So that was the physical symptoms. There was also, there was ridiculous physical symptoms of, you know, stupid itchy skin and, and you know, my my, my scalp was, was really dry and, and just all of a sudden it was just like there was nothing I was changing at all. Um, 
continual UTIs and just like for no reason at all. So no, it's no wonder nobody wants to talk about, it. you know, it's no wonder because they're really, really horrible um, symptoms. But if somebody had just said to me, do you know what, this is quite normal. And if I'd have gone to my doctor, which I did, I went to three doctors with these symptoms, each one individually going one day it was with this, another time it was that, another time it was that. If a doctor had said to me, do you know what, this is, you know, with your age and um, in the way you are at the moment, it's probably perimenopause. And here's a list of 34 symptoms that you may be able to identify with. And then we can look at it holistically. You know, we can actually look at this as a as a hormonal imbalance that might be just making you a little bit skewed at the moment. And that would have taken so much anxiety away for me. Because what I did instead was when my brain fog was getting particularly aggressive, which it does anyway, all I could think was, well, my mum's got Alzheimer's and I'm watching her disappear in front of me. So I must have early onset dementia because I can't remember. I can't remember simple words. I can't remember conversations I'd had. One day at work, somebody presented me with a piece of work. And I looked at it, and I was just totally confused by where the information, where, what the information was. And I couldn't understand all the data. And I challenged him and I said, I just, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get what you've, you know, what you presented here. And he was like, and he laughed. And I was like, I don't get it. And he went, but this is your report. This is, you just asked me to put the data in there. And I don't remember doing it. I just don't remember doing it at all. And it was only a few days beforehand. So when that kicks in, it's not just a case of, oh, I forgot where I put my keys. It's actually that fear of, I think I've got something seriously wrong with my memory. And I think, um, you know, I think I'm going down the dementia route a bit early here. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough because you don't want to talk about it because that well, then exposes you as I'm not quite capable of doing my job anymore. Exactly. Exactly. There's so much in that to unwrap. Um, and we haven't, <laughs> we haven't even touched Sorry. the size. So, I mean, there's phrases that you've used, like I picked up making me less of who I was, which is a, a really interesting sentence and also stop being your capable self. So all of this is playing into um, a horrible feeling of uselessness um, and fighting against fight, fight, fight of, but I'm not useless, but I do know what I'm doing. No, I don't know. I obviously don't. I'm going, and I mean, and then all the way through from the brain stuff to the, um, the physical stuff. I mean, I, I remember having a, a friend who was, you know, we were walking, just walking along the road. And I think she had quite a pale colored pair of trousers on. This was a long time ago. I remember her saying, can you just look, look, just follow me behind for a minute. I got, is there anything, is there any, you know, and she was paranoid that there was blood showing. And in fact, fact there was, Uh, so we had, but, but, there we go. There's a simple example. Right. So you've got blood on your trousers. All right. Sorry. Actually, I'm the one that normally goes weird about the word blood. So this is fine. I've just realized something, Sarah. When I, when I say it, it's fine. It's only when other people say it, I go so weird. Go. Yeah, I go on my fingertips <laughs> go weird. I have physical response to it, but I'm okay if I'm in control of the word. Right. Yes. So, you know, technically, there is nothing earth-shatteringly 
horrendous about the idea that you've got blood on your trousers and yet in our heads it's like let the let the earth just open up and swallow me this is so embarrassing and that of course yeah that's where we go isn't it well because it's so ingrained in us from the age of 12 13 it's that that fear every month is that something's going to happen and we're not going to be in control of it. And, and that's that's basically why we respond in this way, because we aren't in control. Because as a young girl, you know, that was the, that would have been an absolute life over kind of situation. If you'd have found, if you were at school and you had any sign of blood on you, then it just wouldn't be worth going back in again. And I don't think we get rid of that fear. I don't think we I don't think we talk about it enough. When you get together with your mums, you know, your mum chums and um, and you've all been through God knows what and you'll talk about anything, you know, finally, that's when you start to go, oh, my God, yeah, that, that paranoia. But actually, you know, I think it's just ingrained in us that we have to be. Everything, on, everything but, around, yeah. sort of, you know, anything to do with toilets, to be honest, always seems like like it's so embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I admit, I admit I'm not good at going into public loos. And, you know, if I specifically want to spend time in there because my stomach is telling me that's what I need to do, see what I'm doing? I'm not using, you know, <laughs> those words, word. listeners. <laughs> but I I hate it when I know there are other people in other cubicles because you just, you don't want to make any noise. You don't want to sound as it. And you think, how ridiculous is this? Every single, you know, there's some meme out there or something I've seen you know which goes on about you know even Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria or Queen or King or anybody they 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 actually do do that they do go to the loo and poo yeah they do do it um but it does feel like oh no we don't want to know we're doing that and yes it's the most and so back to menopause but, but even so I mean even the ridiculous yeah. thing there is that when you get the the sanitary towels that that make a crinkle sound I mean <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's the most ridiculous embarrassment why would you like that um no it, it's it's very funny that is that this is all very odd human stuff but I guess the obvious the obvious antidote to it is that if everybody's talking about it, um, then then I suppose you could apply this to, I don't know if you, what you think about this, Sarah. So, so if you take, for instance, things like depression, which mm. never got spoken about when I was mm. younger at all, mm. and gradually in the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years, maybe even less, it's got more and more a thing that we talk about. Um, it's still, I would say, got a long way to go but yeah yeah but but is it the same process that we need to be going through with this with with this whole menopause perimenopause all of these things I mean even periods actually to be honest because you know they can be really awkward um you know I can't I, I mean you're at work and as you say you haven't got a thing with you and the thing and then the mm. dirt and, and all you need to be able to say is Hi, need to leave this meeting. I yeah. am bleeding profusely. My period, <laughs> my period has yeah. come on when I didn't expect it to. Hold the front page. Hold I'll be that. back. Hold that I've got to go down the corner shop, get some things. I'll be back in ten. Um, make some notes for me. All's well. I mean, that yeah. wouldn't that be a lovely world? Well, it's just it's just the fact that we we want to normalise that kind of conversation, and and I actually don't believe that we should have to be that open. We should just be able to say, 
look, I, I just need to go. I, I need to get out of the meeting for a minute. They shouldn't have, we shouldn't have to justify anything. And, you know, that whole go to the shop and get some sanitary products. Actually, what I try and train workplaces to do is have them in the bloody bathrooms, for God's sake. You know, just have them there. No woman wants to do that walk of shame to go back and, and root around her friends and say, sorry, it's come by surprise. Or have to carry around an endless supply because you don't quite know when it's going to happen or not. It's just have it have it available because it's the most simple thing to make available in toilets. It's just you know something that hides you over. You know that's all we're asking for. But actually, um, yeah, just normalising the conversation. I think our my daughter's generation, my daughter's nineteen, they talk quite freely about periods. They have apps that track everything that they do. There's no surprises for them. There's none of this anxiety of it might be this, it might be that. They 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 track it really well. I think by the time they get to menopause, we will there are people will be talking about it over a GT. It's not it's not going to be a taboo subject at all, but it is still now. And yeah, it's and it's and you, yeah, and that's a great idea. And also with the chaps, because um I've got my youngest son is I don't know, how old is he? I don't know, 27, 28, something like that. And you don't know. From, you know, whatever. Something, <laughs> something around there. Um, it, uh, he, um, I remember having conversations with him from quite a long way back when he first started going out with girls and being a bit confused by their sudden change. <laughs> of um entire personality or mood or whatever and he's, yeah. he's a really easygoing chap um so he was he, he was interested in this and I remember having a lot of conversations you know just around do you know what I think that sounds to me like that's this is a kind of time of the month um PMT mm. kind of thing going on here because yeah. that's quite out of character or so don't take it personally just be uh, maybe this maybe this is the wrong thing to say but I said you know just just be chill be lovely um I said but on the other yeah. hand don't necessarily be condescending and now this is where it gets into an interesting yeah. tension because obviously if if I wouldn't say to him or just say to him, oh, you know, I understand why you're being so grotty and horrible and really foul mouthed to me today. It's probably because of your hormones. And I completely get that. Would you like some chocolates? Mm -hmm. uh, that could end up with the end of that relationship in quite a dramatic <laughs> fashion. Um, because <laughs> because uh -huh. actually this is this. I remember this from growing up. It is only in hindsight that I can view the weird stuff. And, and I'm, I really mean weird stuff I did um, uh, through PMT and then later on um, through perimenopause and menopause, but because it's it's very much in the rear view mirror for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I only in hindsight can I say, oh, my gosh, that's why I was yeah. screaming at the top of my voice in the middle of a public high street in Earl's Court or wherever, um, et cetera. It's, Sorry, listeners, you didn't need to know that, did you? <laughs> well, it's your show. You can say what you like. <laughs> We're going back to the seventies, so I feel it's quite okay to share. Um, but you know, I the point is that if somebody had said to me, "Oh, oh, oh," I I get it. I know why you're feeling like this. It's it's because of you know that thing, isn't it? It's time of the month. Mm. I would probably have felt quite violent towards them so go go for well, it yeah, I'm it, open it, floor to you it's, it is, it is, it's just it is very much that um trying to take the derogatory 
tone out of it as well so that we're not accepting that oh god she's on a period or it's that time of the month and it's that you know it's 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 aggressive in the way that it's been talked about you know leave her alone don't like the blue touch paper and walk away or something you know it's like it's it is actually it's really hard to comprehend what's going on with yourself but if you had those kind of relationships you could go do you know what it's not my week this week I would stay well clear of me if I were you because I don't know what's happening. I don't know how it, why I'm feeling so sad or so angry or so whatever, but it's that week. So, you know, let's just let's just get along, but let's do it our way rather than it being this clash and um, and then ridicule. And that's why I want to take, I want to normalise the conversation about menopause in that same way because no woman should be going, oh, you know, She's gone a bit doodah because, oh, she's menopausal. Oh, my God, it's, it's that. It's now. It's menopause. It's this. It's, she's ratty. She's moody. She's everything else. She's actually really confused. And she's very unstable in how she feels about herself at the moment. And that shouldn't be laughed at. That should be really, really encouraged to support. You know, women should not feel as if they're being ridiculed in an office. They should be feel, feeling as if they've got somebody to say, is it OK? Are you OK? Can I do anything? You know, are you, is there anything you, you know, you need some help with? <laughs> and it's, it's simple, isn't it? It's like those conversations I'm, you know, teaching men how to have a conversation because they're frightened that their wives or their partners are disappearing in front of them. And it's scary for them because they're saying, I just don't know how to have the conversation. I don't know what to say. Everything I say seems to be wrong. And she feels if I, I feel as if I, you know, she's trying to make arguments out of everything I'm not. But if, and I said, well, how do you talk to her? It's like, you know, if you say to her, oh, God, for God's sake, what have I done now? Then if you said that to me, I'd bite your head off. <laughs> you know, literally, I would retaliate with that. If you said to me, you know, is everything okay? Or, you know, can I get you anything? Or, you know, do you need any help with something? Or I was going to do this. Is that all right? You know, rather than just barreling in there with it's all your fault because you're menopausal. It's actually, it's our, you know, thing that's going on here that could be actually damaging our relationship how can we how can we get through it together because I still want to be there to support you through it so it's just retraining yeah. that I, conversation is, yeah and this is and it is obviously in amongst all of this we're all individuals and all the dynamics between the people we're in relationships with either personal or at work etc are to do with individuals as well as as I'm um, obviously you're going to say so mm. but so it's working out your way of doing it. And I, I mean, I, even now, although all of that is behind me and I'm in a really lovely, calm, chilled place, but I've kind of worked out a thing with my, uh, with my husband who is retired. So we're kind of in each other's space quite a bit. Sometimes I just get weird days. I mean, I'm way past the hormonal oh. cycle stuff, but I think and my husband refers to it as um, sort of biorhythms and it, it just days where you just, there is no logical explanation. Nothing terrible has actually happened. You're not dealing with a really, you know, serious event that's stressing you or making you sad or anything, but you just feel a bit. And you, and you, yeah. And it could be, it could be a low grade virus that isn't really recognizable because you're not coughing and sneezing and all the rest of it. Mm. it. It could be that you maybe didn't sleep as well as you thought you did last night. It could be something that you keep hearing on the news. Like we've got serious bad news days going on all over yeah. the place and yeah. you just don't feel good. And at that point, 
it I would say I would now would say quite openly do you know what? I don't I really feel weird today I'm having one of those kind of really down days mm-hmm. so if I feel if I look if I'm coming across a bit grumpy or whatever or a bit don't worry I'm fine it's, you know yeah. I, I'm okay I just probably just need to chill a bit or whatever take it and he'll say yeah just be nice to yourself whatever and that's it so so in other mm. words I I guess one of it's it's a combination isn't it of you feeling as the one experiencing those days you need to feel able to have some language that says without going over dramatic or fighty or anything about it, just saying I definitely one of those days definitely feeling yeah yeah and actually that that's what it is you know people are saying it's not all menopause you know I know it's not all menopause it's circumstantial it's what you you know it's what's going on in your finances or your family or the the environment there could be many different things that are making you feel out of source and it's not all going to be hormones but when your hormones are going all over the place as well then it's harder to try and retrieve it I think is that is that actually what it is and um and not knowing that this is normal is one of the most damaging things yeah I think and I, I think that's where I said to, I've said to you before I think rather than in, um educating women and saying right from at 40 years old every woman should have some sort of belief from their doctor to say these are key symptoms that could start to you know happen to you now um they're all treatable or they're all manageable and they're you know you'd sort of look at them and go oh yeah I've, I, yeah I've seen that happen or I felt that or I've yeah, experienced this but it's actually it's on a piece of paper to say it's quite normal it takes away a lot of that embarrassment and that worry but what we don't do is we don't give them that sheet of paper with this list of this could be happening to you and it's normal we give them a little cloak of invisibility and we choose how we use that sometimes somebody throws it over us and that's how it feels it feels like excuse me i i still i still exist is is everything okay here or we choose to actually withdraw from people you know our our social lives, our work lives, our responsibilities, we we kind of withdraw a little bit. We put this cloak of invisibility on until we are actually, we can't be seen. And that's really where it's, we're not normalising that conversation. We're not teaching women how to deal with it. We're teaching women, we're, we're basically encouraging them to hide away until it's all over and then you can come out again. You know, it's like, no, actually... These are real emotions. They are valid emotions. They're you know valid ways of thinking about ourselves. But actually, there's a positive side to things as well. We only ever talk about menopause in the negative form. So when I you know when I train in workplaces, I always say, "What words do you think of when you hear the word menopause?" Hot flushes is always the top one, which is fine, but not everybody gets them. Moody is always there, you know. Um, brain fog yes it was quite it's it's real and it's quite negative but I think moody and irritable and um angry and frustrated just make people look like you know they're, they're going to turn into this horror version of themselves when actually I feel more empowered than I've ever felt in my life now to make better decisions I've, I've got more power to say no I don't think that's going to serve me I'm not going to do that but thank you for the invitation anyway I you know I never would have done that a few years ago so there's things that actually you can be positive about and you can actually say, as long as I know what's going on and I can understand it and I can deal with it, then I'm okay. It's the fear of not knowing that I think is the one that, that hurts us the most. Oh, how very true in so many areas of life as well. And yeah, yeah and 
if I, yeah, the brain fog, you see that, that the brain stuff, cause I got, I got comparatively small amount of physical symptoms and there, and we're going back a bit now, but the, it was those that got, like you say, hot flushes, moody, et cetera, um, you know, massive bleeding, whatever it is. Um, and the brain stuff really didn't get spoken. About. I'm so glad that that is being spoken about because it's, it's huge. It's absolutely yeah. huge. I mean, the destructive things that I kind of teetered around doing well, could have been more destructive. Um, I was lucky. I kind of grabbed life back again. But I mean, seriously, big yeah. decision making that was not in anybody's interest. Um, yeah. At least, you know, certainly not mine. But but coming from a place where I had no idea that that was what was going on, and it's only in hindsight that I could think calmly and see, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That was. Yes. I'm not saying I suddenly became a different person, but it was like. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, wow, trippy, man. Um, it is this a bit, though. It really is. is. It is. It is trippy because you're going, why can't, why, where did, why if I just feel like this? Why can't I hold that sentence together? Why can't I remember halfway through a story, A, what the rest of the story is, or B, why I started telling it in the first place? It's just the most ridiculous feeling at times. Yeah. And yet, you know, it is. It is very scary. I, I now, you know, having never presented in my life, really, apart from my own numbers or something like that in a meeting, I never really stood up and presented. So something clearly went on in my perimenopausal days where I actually thought, you know what, let's do something you've never done before as a career. <laughs> like, brilliant. But I start every every presentation with this could go anywhere. No, literally, this could go anywhere because I could get halfway through a sentence. I could um, forget what I'm talking about. I might forget the word. I might actually flush so badly that I, I can't breathe or my heart palpitations are so heavy. I'm not malfunctioning. It will pass. But I'm just saying to you now that anything's a possibility. So, you know, there we go. We'll get on with the rest of the, the, the thing now. Because I've allowed myself to be vulnerable and I've allowed other people to go, oh, it's not just me. You know, and that's that's actually... I mean, whoa, how, to, how to engage a room. I mean, that that is a... I mean, it's a... I mean, you could almost do it as a tactic, even if it wasn't happening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there's nothing. I, 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 having done decades of live performance in so many different spaces with so many different people, there are obviously times where things have gone awry, and I can, I can describe, you know, these moments of massive extra connection with the audience um, yeah. when those things have happened um, and I haven't tried to hide them or you know kind of bluff my way through them um, and we've, we've sort of worked on it together and gone forward and it's just it's a fabulously connecting moment because people see so, you, isn't it? you know yeah. you're not superhuman yeah. you're not somebody up there being you know sort of better than they are at doing this thing um, this could happen to yeah. anyone this is great yeah yeah exactly and I, I I'm only saying it as you know this is this is me saying this could be a real thing I'm not I'm not trying to be better at menopause than they are by saying you know by the way I could also I could also have all these things happen to me I'm just saying if it does you know I just bear with me <laughs> menopause competitiveness that is just brilliant <laughs> Look, we could we could have this conversation for ages. So I want to ask you a couple of questions yeah. as we begin to wrap up because it is it is a, an amazingly human um, 
arena of of observation and i hope that people will respond to this when i put it out there and come up with their own stories but um that you can share because it's so individual as well yeah. as having these commonalities yeah. as yeah. yeah i mean you mentioned i think something like 34 symptoms did i hear that right 30, yeah. yeah so yeah. those are the those are the common symptoms there's uh, you know the last count i think there was 62 that people could put in but that's almost like saying i've got toothache well that's menopausal you know it's you know, everything could have something related to it, but 34 key ones, which are the emotional side of things, the physical symptoms as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So is there, um, I mean, two things really, is there a is there a myth that you'd like to bust around all this as a topic? Is it, you know, well, go for it. Well, I think the myth is that every, you know, nobody will experience it in the same way as each other because we'll all have different social factors that are going to influence us anyway. So it's it's, it's that's a ridiculous, you know, not everybody is going to have the mood swings. Not everybody is going to have the hot flushes. But actually, the myth is, is that it's that's it. It's over. You know, you, you're done. You're all dried up and there's nothing worth of it. Actually is the biggest myth I want to bust because I want to I want to empower women now to go, this is a, a biological phase in my life that just means I've come to the end of my reproductive time. So actually, once I'm post-reproductive, if you like, I've got all these other things that I can do and I can, and I can, I can I've got wisdom. You know, I've got, I've lived, I've lived it. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I've thrown it against an insubordinate teenager's head before now because of our hormones have been clashing. You know, we've we've been there, haven't we? We've got all this knowledge and we've got this experience. And it's not all over. It's actually just the beginning. We've got, you know, on average now, we live until our mid-80s and we reach our menopause on average at 51. So we've got a third of our lives have been post-menopausal, which our ancestors didn't have. You know, we reached menopause much later in life, so it's 59 on average. But you died in your mid-60s, so you didn't have these years and years and years of managing without the hormones and managing without the, you know, the, with the impact that they it, it comes with. So actually, I think that's that's the myth I want to bust is that it's not over. It, it really is. The, the, the um, Japanese call it your second spring. And that immediately makes you think of brighter days, new beginnings, something new, something exciting. You know, think about the, the snowdrops coming through and the crocus and everything. That actually makes you feel quite alive, doesn't it? So when you, look, when you think of menopause as second spring, then I think you can see it as a bright future. If you think about it as rumpy, frumpy and past your prime, you're not really going to go, where do I start the queue? You know, it's like, it's like you don't form an orderly queue for that. Whereas, you know, so that's that's the myth I'd like to bust is that it's not all over. It really is oh, just beginning. Oh, so I'm, I'm here. I'm I'm in that second spring. And trust me, <laughs> I mean, obviously we, we've all got different lives. We've all got different stresses. We've all got different uh, challenges that we're dealing with and other health challenges. So I don't want to sound yes. smug. I mean, I, I, I just... From where I am, I can just say mental. Let's just put the mental bit in there. It, it's yeah, the wisdom feeling, the the not worrying so much about all the little bits and bobs and what do I look like yeah. and who you know who's thinking this about me and all the rest of it. And yeah, yeah, and and being able to look back and think, yeah, I did that, I did that, and I did that. That was a bit of a mess. Yeah. But I did that, and I'm out here, and I've I'm now thriving, as you say, not just surviving. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. yes, in, in, important difference. Um, and is there one is there one practical tip you'd like to share with the listeners? 
Yeah, your lifestyle is the best, is the thing that most most people will say to me, when is it going to get better? You know, when am I going to start feeling better? And I always just say, what are you doing at the moment to make yourself feel better? Because, you know, we can take HRT. I'm a big ambassador for HRT because it really worked for me, but it doesn't work for everybody. Some people can't take it. Some people just don't want to take it. There's loads of different options out there of, of different ways that you can help yourself. But your lifestyle and your diet is the fundamental, um, you know, sort of holy grail, really. If you sit on the sofa every night, very sedentary, you know, with that bar of chocolate and that glass of wine watching Netflix, because that actually makes you feel better. And um, it's not going to make you feel long term better. It's going to be temporary of that moment of just, you know, nesting in. But actually get yourself out for a walk, get your vitamin D and your sunshine and get out for a walk, move your body. It's going to work for you. It's going to help with so many of the symptoms. And your diet, I'm not saying go on, you know, crash diets or anything. I'm just saying what you put in your body will fuel you really well to actually live the best you know, life that you can. So there isn't a magic cure for it, but then we don't want to be cured from menopause. It's a, it's a natural process. We just want to be able to live it and live it well as well, those postmenopausal years. Beautifully put, beautifully put. And don't panic about the extra layer around your waist because I am also here to report that that will actually quite easily go at some later stage and if you you know that I remember thinking oh, I'm so fat and you know and sort of thinking diet wise and all those and it's it's so depressing and to a certain yeah. extent buy buy some different clothes uh, nice but, clothes you know always you like. buy clothes that fit that's yeah. the best thing for you to do anyway <laughs> that that's a, a big tip but actually yeah you, you our bodies change our bodies change shape but they are our biggest biggest machine and they they serve us when we fuel it well and that's the, you know it won't work properly if we don't give it enough good fuel or we don't give it enough good exercise and you know we do lose bone um, mass and muscle mass as we get older so it's really really important to actually look after those muscles and um, and bones because when our estrogen levels drop our osteoporosis risk goes goes up as well so just get out walking it's it really is it's um it's a fallacy to say that this is a depressing time it's actually you just got to change what you what you like about life Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I know people also stretch themselves really thin. I've always thought it's a massive design fault that if you, it's, not everyone has kids, but if you do have kids, there's quite a high chance that your kids are teenagers and your parents are becoming elderly all at the same time as you have your mobile. That's a really bum yeah. deal, isn't it? <laughs> so we're called the sandwich generation for that reason, because we're sandwiched between kids. And as I say, they're they're gathering hormones at a rate of knots and you're losing them at exactly the same pace. And it and it, and it gets a bit testy in a in a family. You know, it's 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 very, very tricky, but because we're on different paths, you see, we're on different different maps really of the world. Their world is all bother, you know, everything's going crazy and I don't know how to cope with it because everything's new and I don't know where it is. and ours is going crazy and thinking, oh my God, that used to be me and and now I'm looking back on it and and I, you know, we can't see the future either. So this is a real time. And then you've got Quite often we're working as well. And as I say, because our aging population, we, we are getting older and we're living longer. So my I my parents lived until my dad was 92 and my mum was 87. And you know, that, those years when they were 
on their way out basically i lost them both in the same year which was quite a trial but you know they they were falling apart and i was trying to keep it through through um exams at a levels and gcses and hold a full-time work together and it was lockdown and it was you know you got to get your ten thousand steps a day you got to have a healthy lifestyle you got to have you know fabulous in the bedroom blah 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 it's no wonder we are overwhelmed at this time and when things don't you know things don't really go to plan you're thinking it's all because i can't do anything anymore yes no you've got a lot on your plate yeah yeah, take take a take a little reality check on a I would say a daily basis. <laughs> reality yeah. check daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sarah, mm-hmm. I look, I said I wouldn't go on, then I started another conversation. Typical. <laughs> um, okay, so people can get to know about the work you do to help um particularly going to the workplace or you work one-to-one with people on your and the best place to connect with you would be. You can find me on LinkedIn, which I'm on there all the time. But my website is www.themenopauseatwork.com. So um, you'll find me there. My lo- my slogan is caution menopause at work. So you can find me on that. As long as you've got to that one, then you're in the right web space. <laughs> caution menopause at work. That's brilliant. I love it. Okay, Sarah, this has been a fascinating conversation um, and uh, lots of lots to think about out there for every single one of you because as we started this conversation off this is affecting all of us and uh, doesn't have to be a bunch of negativity so great enjoy everyone out there enjoy your second spring when it comes Um, yeah (laughs) thank you very much Sarah you're welcome it's lovely to meet you thank you want to know more about staying unsquashed then head over to more resources at trishalewis.com forward slash stay hyphen unsquashed. And while you're there, sign up for the fortnightly email unsquashed. For now, until our next forensic investigation, stay curious and don't forget to show up to share.